Welcome to This Complex Life, a podcast where we explore the intricacies of well-being and relationships. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis, an accredited mental health social worker, family therapist, speaker, and mental health educator. Coming to you from the lands of the Bunurong and Wurundjeri people, join me as we demystify mental health, break down stigma, and navigate life's messiness and complexities one conversation at a time. And just a little reminder... Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. Anything said should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical or other professional advice, diagnosis or treatment. This podcast is not a substitute for professional mental health treatment and advice. If you or someone you know requires support, please contact a mental health professional in your area. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to This Complex Life. In today's podcast episode, it's another solo episode and I wanted to talk about getting ready for therapy and why it can be really helpful to think a little bit about what you might like to get out of therapy or what to expect. The first question I have here is why is it essential for someone seeking therapy to clarify their goals and expectations before their first session? I would even say that before you even book in your first session, it can be really helpful to have a think about what you want to get out of therapy because that might determine what what practices you call or which therapist you look up if you're really looking for someone to help navigate a divorce or separation or grief or perhaps it's the adjustment to parenthood or maybe there are early childhood experiences that are really impacting on your ability to navigate relationships or manage your conflict at work they might all be different skills that different therapists have. So having a little bit of a think about what kind of what kind of stuff do I want to talk about? What why do I want to go to therapy and what would be helpful? It can be really confusing and really overwhelming to know where to start. But having a think about what you want can really help narrow down that that search. So when you're using Google or using a website like Psychology Today or find a social worker or find a psychologist or whichever search engine or platform you're using, having a bit of an idea of the kinds of areas that you want that person to work with is often more important than their their training background. There are so many different types of mental health professionals that work in this space. There are accredited mental health social workers like myself there are family therapists couples therapists and even within couples therapy there are you know a dozen different types of couples therapy modalities that people work with there are art therapists counselors social general social workers registered psychologists clinical psychologists psychiatrists art therapy music therapy play therapy there are so many different expertise and different professionals so really having a think about what you might want is the most helpful there's no point going to a PhD clinical psychologist who specializes in play therapy if you want to work on navigating a relationship with your partner those that their skills they might be the best in their field for play therapy and have almost no experience in working with couples or thinking about family dynamics so having a bit of a think about what you might want to get can help narrow down that search a little and if you're unsure ring around maybe speak to the admin people or speak to the therapist if they're a small practice and they're picking up the phone themselves and and have a bit of a chat to them if they're appearing too general that might not work for you or that might work for you 
And it might be okay that after a few sessions you think, I need something different. Just like with physical health, you might go to a trainer and work on mobility or flexibility for a little while. Then you might realize, actually, I want to get into swimming. So I might work with a swimming coach who can help me with with that. Or maybe I'm training for a half marathon or 10K run. That might require different skills. If you know that at the outset, then that's what you might go to straight away. You might find a coach who works just with runners and can help you improve your running technique or your running style, get you fitter, stronger to get you a PB or even just survive your first run. That might be your goal. But perhaps you're just realizing I need to get into some better physical shape. I'm not sure where to start. I'll give this a go. And then over time, you might decide that there's other areas that you want to work on. So that's totally fine as well. In terms of clarifying your goals before the first session, so let's say you've found someone, maybe you've read their profile or you've had a chat to the lovely admin team at their clinic and you're getting ready for therapy. You've read probably all the consent forms. If you've got any questions about those consent forms, write them down. It's totally okay to ask questions. And remember, those first few sessions are really still getting to know each other. The first few sessions, the therapist is often conducting, I guess, their assessment or figuring out what you're there for, how you are going to work together, what your needs are. And some have different formalities around that. Some might have very clear, structured interviews or assessments that you complete They might be electronic or they might be printed out, so they might have a really sort of structured way of working. Others might have a different approach. So it really depends, again, on the modality and what that you're going into therapy for and perhaps the setting. There might be different requirements if you're going to see someone through a work EAP program or you're using sort of the Medicare system or maybe you're accessing someone through private health insurance or TAC or VOCAT, depending on who's funding that or what the arrangement is or that setting, they might have different requirements there as well. So if you're you're getting ready for your first session, I would encourage you to think about some of the following questions. And the first one that I often get people to think about is what led you to seek therapy and why now? So if you have time before your session to reflect on any of the specific challenges or concerns that you had or what changes in your life prompted you to reach out for support. That can be a really great place to start. That could be, you know, for example, I just found out I'm pregnant and I'm really struggling with communicating my needs to my partner or my boss is giving me feedback that feels really painful and is really activating and it's reminding me of being a child in primary school and feeling like I'm getting picked on so I really want to work on that or perhaps it's a general feeling of anxiety or the symptoms of depression having a bit of an idea of why now and what you're looking for what you're hoping to get can be a really great place to start and that then flows nicely into the next question is what are my hopes and expectations for therapy Consider what you'd like to achieve or gain from therapy. What are some positive changes or insights? And how do you hope that experience or the experience of therapy will help you work towards those things? Are you hoping that after three sessions of couples therapy that you're suddenly going to not have conflict? That's not a realistic expectation. 
that might be your goal or your, your dream, but that might not be what's possible. So really being clear about those and talking to that with your therapist, asking them questions. Well, this is what I'm expecting. Is this possible? It's like going to a trainer and saying, oh, you know, if I went to a trainer and said, I want to run a marathon and it's in two months time. And they're like, yeah, great. We'll have uh, one session and we'll get you there. That's definitely not going to be possible when I can't run more than five kilometers currently. So sometimes our what we want and what's possible in that time frame might not be possible. And that can then feel really defeating if I was under the impression that I could go to a handful of running groups and be ready and fit for a marathon, I'm going to feel bitterly disappointed and maybe even angry or frustrated that my goal isn't possible or maybe I feel like, well, they didn't teach me properly or or running coaches are crap, but maybe my expectations were not possible and that might take six months or a year of training. So having some ideas around that could be a really good place to start so that you're not disappointed and your therapist knows what's important to you and what you'd like to focus on. The next question I want to encourage people to think about is what are some of the goals that you'd like to work on in therapy? So this is linked to expectations, but the goals might be things on particular behaviors or changes that you might like to see. So perhaps you want to be less reactive when you fight with your partner. Maybe you want to be a lot calmer when you talk to your children Perhaps you want to be able to be assertive at work and be clearer in how you communicate. Maybe you'd like help managing boundaries. You might have no idea what those goals are, but you might have some idea of what feelings you don't want to be so huge and overwhelming. So perhaps you want to feel a little less anxious and that anxiety is preventing you from putting yourself out there and making new friends. So perhaps one of the goals is to make new friends the thing that's getting in the way is your anxiety and that rumination and overthinking things. So we can kind of work backwards or work forwards. You know, it's really trying to have a think about what would you be, what would be different? We can't get rid of feelings. That's not possible. But we can learn ways to move through them, to navigate them, or to do things different in spite of some of those feelings. So again, mental health, well-being, working with emotions is a really huge field. And no one person can give you the advice that's going to work for every single situation, just like with physical health. But having some ideas of what goals you might have could be really helpful and help set those expectations and help you know what you want to get out of therapy. The other question I would consider you to think about, and this might be leading up to your appointment, is what are your thoughts and what feelings or experiences or so what feelings or emotions are you experiencing in preparation for that session? Are you nervous? Do you feel obliged? Are you kind of irritated and annoyed? Are you walking in there skeptical? Are you going in there really hopeful? You don't have to share those with your therapist, but really started to think about how you feel going into that can really help set the stage of what might happen in the session and how you might navigate that. The next question I have here is what are some of the common myths or misconceptions about therapy that can hinder an individual or hinder individuals from seeking help? And I think one of the biggest myths is that nothing anyone does can help, that these are all problems that someone needs to deal with on their own and that talking about it isn't going to make it better. And 
as someone who is a therapist, I think that that's really limiting and it doesn't allow for exploration of our thoughts, feelings, behaviors, how they interact, what our worldview is, what beliefs we have about things. And understanding those narratives and those stories really shape how we are in the world. Sometimes talking about these problems or these concerns or these challenges can be really helpful. It can shed light in areas of our lives that maybe we haven't really focused on, or it can show a pattern of behavior or show a link between how what we're doing now is related to something that happened to us or we experienced in the past or how what we're struggling with might be because of a limiting belief we had. So really exploring some of those things can be really helpful. So thinking that nothing can help already gets you going into that space thinking, what's the point? Nothing I do can help. And that might be part of the work that you do is challenging that belief. Another common misconception in particular with couples or families is going in there and being ready for the other person to change. If only they would just do this, if they just did that, those sorts of things are not going to be helpful. When you're going into therapy, there needs to be some awareness and some willingness to change yourself, what you're prepared to do different. There's no point going into therapy hoping other people will change. It's around what you bring to that, what you can do, what you can say, how you can respond. The patterns between families and couples can often be co-created. And so putting blame on someone else and making them seem like the project is not going to be helpful. So really thinking about the role that you play in those relationships will be really helpful. The third question is, how can individuals deal with any anxiety or apprehension they might have before their first therapy session? That's a really good question, and I see a lot of people get really nervous or anxious, especially if it's the first time they're going to therapy. And so to help people navigate that a little bit better, I have created a workbook. It's called Get Ready for Therapy, and it's available on the Therapy Hub website. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. It really gives you a chance to answer some of the questions that I've mentioned earlier, and it has loads more. So sometimes thinking about your goals, you know, and having those prompts, sometimes when we're anxious, it's really hard to think clearly, and it can be really hard to even know where to start. So having some of those prompts can be really helpful. So in the journal, I have some of those questions around what led you to therapy? What are your hopes and expectations? What are some of the goals What past experiences might you want to talk about? What are your strengths? There's even a section for self-care activities. So if you work through that booklet, that could help ease some of that anxiety because you might feel more intentional, you might feel more planned, you might feel like, okay, I have a little bit more control in guiding this process. It's even got some prompts there of the kinds of questions you can ask your therapist. Other things to consider is, Please don't go to therapy substance affected. Maybe reducing coffee if you find that that makes you really jittery. Perhaps not booking it in in the middle of your workday if you are nervous and anxious and you've got to rush to another meeting. Maybe you need a bit of a buffer time. Maybe you need to go for a walk before or after your session to help get you in that space, in that headspace. So there are different things that you can do to help prepare you for that experience. 
And the fourth question I wanted to talk about today is how do you dis- how do you build trust with your therapist? Trust is built it's it's kind of two ways. Your therapist will have some ways of working that are might land really well for you or they might feel a bit uncomfortable, but you shouldn't feel totally uncomfortable. You shouldn't feel like they're judging you. You shouldn't feel like they're being disrespectful. There's room to tweak that relationship and sometimes that can be part of the experience is thinking of therapy as kind of the dress rehearsal. So if you've struggled setting boundaries, then being able to talk to your therapist about struggling to set boundaries with them might be actually part of the work that you do. But if you feel that your therapist is homophobic or racist or doesn't align with one of your deeply held beliefs, then that might not be the right person for you and it's okay to find someone else. If you'd like them to just communicate in a different way or perhaps allocate some homework or maybe they're giving you too much homework, those sorts of things can all be negotiated and compromised on. So it is a collaborative process, but you also want to find someone who you can get along with. You know, if you want to have your thermos and drink tea in the session, that might be something that you do. If you want to sit on the floor or on a a beanbag or Maybe you want to do your therapy sessions walking. Those are sorts of things that you can ask them and collaborate on what's going to make that space work for you. So having a think about those things could be really important. I've listed in that workbook as well some of the things that you can think about in terms of the relationship with your therapist, which might help you build that rapport and that connection. So thinking about any challenges or barriers that you anticipate, are there fears, concerns, Do you tend to shut down and then avoid talking? Do you get challenged and then ghost therapists? Are there particular patterns that happen for you in that therapy session, in those processes? So that could be a really good thing to think about is what are the challenges or barriers? Another question I have in the booklet is to think about how you'd like your therapist to support you. Do you want resources? Do you want to reflect on things outside of sessions? Do you want to just have the session leave and not talk about it anymore? Do you want book recommendations? Do you want do you want them to explain things using metaphors? Thinking about what's going to be helpful for you, how you learn, how your brain works is going to be really helpful. And especially if there's areas that you need more help with being clear about those. Therapists hopefully will ask, but you might want audio recommendations rather than books. You might find reading pamphlets really difficult, so you'd prefer a link to a podcast. You might like to record a section of a meditation so that you can reinforce that during your own time. So having a bit of a chat about what might be helpful is going to be really good for both you and the therapist. And it's okay to ask them questions. It's okay to ask them any clarifying questions around therapy, how they work, what they do, how long they think you'll need it for, what the frequency of sessions do they expect you to attend. They're all really helpful things for you to know where you're going, what's expected, and they also know where your limitations are. You know, they might think actually for what you're presenting, I think you need weekly sessions for at least six months. And you might be thinking, uh, absolutely not. I just wanted to come in for a couple of sessions and get this stuff sorted and leave. So being able to talk about that is going to be really important. And the final question 
I would get you to, to reflect on under this area of how to build that kind of trust is finding a way to communicate with your therapist that helps you navigate any potential issues that you have. So is it okay for them? Do they like to, do they mind receiving an email between session? Do you want to stop five minutes beforehand and say, actually, this quite this missed the spot? Hopefully therapists will have something built into the way they run sessions to kind of get that, we call it feedback-informed treatment. So really asking someone, is this really what you wanted to talk about today? Did I hear you right? Does this feel like it's relevant? Is this helpful? There's sometimes we forget or we're human too, or we might get caught up in something we thought was really important and it wasn't quite what you wanted. So keeping that dialogue open can be really helpful. Hopefully that was helpful for you folks. There'll be another episode coming up around the role that parents can play in supporting their adolescents in therapy. Today's episode was really around getting ready for therapy, how to navigate those first few sessions. And if you want to download the Getting Ready for Therapy journal, you can do that through the show notes. And if you have any questions that you want answered on the podcast, reach out. There'll be contact details in the show notes. Thank you for listening. To keep the conversation going, head on over to Instagram or LinkedIn and follow me. If you'd like to keep updated with episodes and other interesting things happening in mental health, join my weekly This Complex Life newsletter, where I'll share tools, tips, and insight. There's a link in the show notes. Got a question you want answered? Shoot me an email or a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review. It helps other people find the podcast.